This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman along with Nancy Lockridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives and writer Tab, portfolio manager at News Perspectives. They're also co-authors of the book, Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. And today we're going to be talking about basically caregiving and uh, being a money manager. Sometimes those older adults in your life uh, may have trouble keeping a checkbook or uh, being a little confused about money. So somebody has to come in and act as a money manager. And if that someone is you, we have some advice on what you should keep in mind. We'll also talk about uh, joint accounts, financial exploitation, and how to be transparent with money management for everyone who is concerned. Also, you can give us a call, join the conversation. Maybe you are in this situation or um, have a story about it. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can also send an email to money at mpbonline.org. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. And good morning, guys. Good morning, Java. Good morning, Java. Yeah, I rarely sit in this seat because as we were talking off of air, my significant other does a lot of the money managing (laughs) (laughs) in in the house, and I will be transparent about that. I, I make quite a bit of it, but you know. <laughs> well, maybe you're just wise enough to know she's that's her skill, and that's one of the that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we're also going to talk about um, in 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 our uh, conversation today is knowing when it is, I guess, okay to let somebody else hold the reins, so right. to speak, when it mm-hmm. comes when it comes to money. But before all that, um, let's go ahead and talk about some uh, financial news this morning. Well, I'm still looking at uh, tariffs, and uh, we're. Still starting to see the impact of those and hearing uh, from business owners and commodity producers across the country, farmers, um, that this is creating real problems for them. And um, in addition to that, business is seeing this as a real gray area, an area of uncertainty. And so they are holding back on some of their growth plans because of this issue. And so I, I really wish the president would just, you know, pull back on this and certainly pull back on the rhetoric um, and uh, allow global trade to unfold. And one thing I've seen kind of illustrate how it can be quite complex uh, when you have goods going across the border, back and forth to get made, uh, reading about uh, Whirlpool. They manufacture, you know, um, household appliances, you know, your dishwasher, whatnot. And they were pretty excited because they're like, OK, we're American made. Great. You know, we're going to be protected from these uh, cheap washer dryer sets coming from China, etc. They're pretty excited about that. But they didn't realize that their input costs were going up, the steel and the aluminum and the other things that they need, um, because I, I, I think they're the ones, their manufacturing facilities are close to the Canadian border, and they actually do a lot of back and forth. It's something like a 
I think it was washers I was reading about. Wash, a washing machine will cross the border something like 20 times from start to finish. Just, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's a lot of parts in it. And, you know, maybe this factory is good at making this bit and this factory is good at making this bit. And so in that, you know, little bits add up. And uh, so their costs ended up going a lot more than they anticipated. And all that means <clears throat> is that we as consumers are paying more for the end product, which leads us to CPI. CPI. So, yeah, uh, CPI has been, let's see, it's, it's, well, tell, tell yeah, everyone what CPI is. Okay. okay, so we're talking about the consumer price index. So we're talking about a basket of goods that it takes to, you know, do your thing, live, um, including uh, the, the broad basket includes food and energy, but there's also other things in there. Um, and it measures inflation. Right. So it measures inflation. Right. Because it's it's measuring the price of of the price that it takes to live. Um, and so that is up. Um, it's at, let's see, for year over year, it's at 3%, um, kind of an annualized rate. So that's a little higher than it has been in a while. Um, it's been going- Certainly higher than the Federal Reserve likes for it to be. Absolutely. And that's one of the reasons that they're raising interest rates. You raise interest rates when you think, you know, inflation might be getting out of hand, prices might be going up a little. We want people to kind of pull back from, uh, from, from, uh, spending too much, uh, raising prices on goods, and we want them to pull some of that money back. But when you do that, then you slow the economy down. Right, because spending is what drives the economy. I mean, something like 70% of our economy is just people spending money, going out, buying food, buying clothes, renting apartments, and, and whatnot. Um, but CPI, uh, so inflation is up. This is this is quite high for the, for the past few years. Um, I mean, back in 2015, we had almost no inflation. And so now we are above two and a half. We're creeping towards three percent. So that's that's significantly higher than it has been. Now, if you're um, living on a fixed income, you're already retired. You may think that sounds like pretty good news because what will happen is that you'll get an increase. You'll get an increase on your Social Security. Be better than it was in the past. You will but also, your costs are going to go up first. Yeah, we got to we got me- to measure. Don't realize that we got to measure that first. But they're also going going to see CD rates at the bank will go up, um, maybe not as fast as they would like, but those, they will Those go have up. been going up a little bit. I mean, we've seen rates 2 to 3%, even on the shorter kind of one to three years. So if you've been looking for interest rates, they're coming. <laughs> they're on the way. Yeah. They're in the weeds and they're getting so ready to pounce. it's always good news, bad news with inflation. Yeah. But, um, but also with those tariffs, I saw a local story um, just talking about uh, lumber. And mm-hmm. they could like almost with the washing machines, the Canadian lumber, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess it's getting a little bit too expensive just for it to come across the border. So the American lumber, uh, you know, it's good to be using American lumber, but it's at a higher price. Right. Which right. means the housing homes are going to, goes yes. up. Yeah. Right. So it all kind of trickles down, even though you might hear tariffs and, oh, that doesn't, you know, a lot of yeah. people, it doesn't affect me. It does. Yes. Yeah, in, so in a real way. That's two sides of the coin. Um, you know, Mississippi produces a lot of lumber. That's yes. one of our big industries. Um, and so when you when you say, OK, it's going to be make it harder to get Canadian lumber. OK, well, that means we're going to sell more of it. But because there's fewer people selling it, we can sell it at a higher price. <laughs> and so who's who comes off you know, worse is the person who's trying to buy it. Well, the other side of that is Mississippi is uh, still 
um, heavily focused on agriculture, and they export a lot of that to other countries, and so they're feeling the heat from the tariffs from other countries, and uh, that's hurting prices of those commodities. Yeah, I've seen seen those stories, too. So it's something to um, take into consideration um, with these tariffs because your local uh, farmer's market farmer is being affected. Mm-hmm. You know, you may not even may not even realize it. Um, but today we're going to go ahead and um, open the phone lines, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're talking about money management for uh, caregivers. You may have a, um, a elder parent or someone in your family who is in need of money management. And I'll go ahead and open the um, conversation with this question. As a caregiver, someone who has taken on that responsibility, how do you start that uh, money management conversation? Well, I, it varies from person to person. And some older people are very willing to turn over their finances. Uh, I have one case in particular I'm thinking about where, you know, often we see things in our office that give us pause. We see somebody who's struggling with um, uh, memory issues, struggling with uh, confusion about some more complicated issues. And so we can alert family members. And um, and it was a case where when that happened, that this adult was happy to turn that over. Uh, That's kind of unusual. Um, Often Mm. you will see an older person is very hesitant to do that because that represents their independence. You know, Mm. that's part of just living from day to day. I want to take care of myself. I want to manage my own things. So it's a big deal to turn that over. Now, you don't necessarily have to turn everything over. You may just allow someone to look over your your shoulder, uh, basically be able to look at your bank accounts, uh, get alerts on any big movements of money so that they would know maybe something strange is going on. And just something to think about. Sometimes that's uh, that's a, a spouse who's going to be the caregiver. And uh, often that can get put off a little too long because maybe the spouse is just uncomfortable or maybe the spouse just you know doesn't notice it as fast. So, right. so Java, <laughs> you're going to need to pay attention. You know, your wife is so, so important in your household. Well, and what happens is, is if you have one person in the couple who's always managed everything and the other person is just like, well, I don't know what's going on. So it takes a lot longer for that person to really get up to speed mm-hmm. about what's happening and to really step in and take over. And, and I, we bring this up all the time on this show is that it, it both partners need to be involved in their finances because you just never know what's going to happen. I mean, you, you, God forbid a tragic accident, you know, kills your primary breadwinner or, you know, puts them in the hospital. But, you know, you just be on an extended business trip and just some bills come up and you don't know how to, or like a notice comes up and you don't understand it. Um, both of you need to be at least up to speed on things uh, so that someone can understand things enough to kind of answer some questions um, about finances. So, you know, it it could be anything. And Um, that was really one of the first tips with that question was just open the lines of communication and mm -hmm. just um, be uh, honest and transparent with it, with the finance, especially in the situation of uh, uh, older adults. Maybe, you know, maybe your parent or like you say, your your, uh, spouse Mm -hmm. um, needs that assistance. Well, the, the wiser 
older parents uh, should already be talking to their grown children and revealing some of that information. You don't have to lay everything out at once, but you can gradually talk to them about it. You can tell them where to find um, any kind of account listings, uh, give them some sort of sense of what your financial situation is, because many times, you know, if you're seeing your parents aging, you're starting to wor- worry, you know, do they have enough mm-hmm. to take care of them and, and what will we do? And what we've seen on my side with my in-laws is they, they were fine as far as their financial situation, but their entire lives, they have been very frugal. So (laughs) to convince them that now is the time for you to start spending that for your own care, that took a lot to do that because they were still worried, even at 90 years old, uh, that of the, the what if or something. What if, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and will we have enough? And so that's a very scary thing. So to be able, and sometimes you need a third-party advisor to step in and look at the math to be able to convince somebody you are fine, you can start spending this down. That's the purpose of this pile of money you've accumulated. And um, through all of the lists um, that we that went through, uh, producer Liz and myself, um, the, like the number two uh, tip was seek advice. And we'll give more tips uh, throughout the hour as we take our first break. We're going to um, continue our conversation about money management for uh, caregivers. Uh, you can join the conversation right now, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or send an email to money at mpb beonline.org We'll be right with more Money Talks after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks. If you miss any part of this show, you can always listen back. Visit mpbonline.org slash money talks to listen again, or you can download our lovely MPB public media app. It's available for free, iPhone, Android, tablet, whatever you use to get your groove on, and it will be there for you. I'm Java Chapman here with Nancy Lodridge Anderson and writer Tav from New Perspectives. And we're talking about the managing a loved one's finances, and our first tip um, was kind of self-explanatory, open those lines of communication. Be honest and transparent about your um, finances. And if you have any tips, you can join the conversation. 1-877-672-7464 or send an email, money at mpbonline.org. And as we go down our list, uh, seeking out advice. How do you know you're talking to the right person? Can I just go to the bank and say, I'm about to be a money manager. (laughs) I need some help. (laughs) 
Ooh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, one thing I was thinking um, during the break was, especially with you know an aging parent or something, is a lot of things that matter is you know what sort of insurance do they have? You know, do they have long term care insurance? Do they have uh, life insurance policies in place? I mean, you know, that depends on your situation. But um, and and so because those are a lot of things. You know, if you are if if you see your your parent and you think, oh my gosh, they're going to need to go to the nursing home soon, and you're just sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay for it? They might have something in place that might be taken care of. So, and and additionally, with insurance, there's probably an insurance agent there who can. They may not necessarily be the best person uh, to you know help you manage it, but they will at least be very knowledgeable, help you uh, guide you through the process of, of of using that insurance. So that's that's one thing that you might notice, especially you know with a, a, an aging parent. Well, with long term care policies, you have to be very careful because typically um, there's a set of criteria, mm-hmm. and you have to meet that set mm-hmm. of criteria before they will pay on claims. Right, and um, um, so that's your starting point is to pull out that policy, um, look at that, and be careful about calling the insurance company because many times they're going to start asking you questions on the front end in the phone call. And if you don't answer them appropriately, they're like, no, we're not paying. So look at that policy first and, uh, and then talk to that person's um, physician uh, because you need to get approval mm-hmm. there. But usually it's a set of things in, involved about their own personal care. Can they take care of themselves at this point? And uh, that will allow them, if they fit that criteria, then to um, have home health care or some assistance in the home, which is what most people are wanting right now. We're actually seeing declines in numbers at nursing homes because that's not what we want. They're just not cool anymore. Well, (laughs) it's it's a last resort. And most people, if they can, if they have some sort of insurance policy or their own money set aside, they want to try to find Mm -hmm. a way to stay in their homes and get Mm -hmm. care in their homes. But because careful about dealing with those long-term care policies. Now, in those uh, policies, are are there, um, I guess, maybe provisions for the determination yes. of if someone yes. can yes. handle yes. their yes. own finances? Yes. And mm-hmm. so that that's where you go back to the language of the policy. Each of those is different, and it's a contract, and you need to read carefully through that. I know it's like gut-wrenching to go through <laughs> an insurance contract, but it's going to tell you what they will cover, how how much they will pay. And in many cases, we see people who have those policies um, that are joint policies. They cover both husband mm-hmm. and wife. And um, and so you, you have to figure out, okay, which one of the couple is this going to go under? Because they have to fit that criteria. You know, they can't dress themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't mm-hmm. bathe themselves. There's some sort of problem with, with moving around the house. All of those things, they have to fit. And uh, and then if that's the case, it's centered on one person, then don't bring up the other person. Because that's what happened in our family. That we started bringing up this other person's needs. And they're like, no, 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 no. Well, yeah, you can't take care of that. You can't do that. It has to be for this person. And so I guess once that determination is made, is that when uh, the that person becomes uh, a fiduci- fiduciary? 
Is that correct? No. Um, in that case of a, yeah. uh, an insurance policy, it's just that you qualify based on their contract. And that means that when you submit claims to say, okay, we, we had home health care come in three times a week uh, this month, then that will push them to pay on those claims. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So what is the the fiduciary? Am oh, I, am I saying that in. correctly? Uh, yes. <laughs> so fiduciary. Everybody looked at me like a, I was... A fiduciary is someone who uh, who is required to put uh, your interest or the, the client's interest, um, whoever they are fiduciary to, uh, above their own. So that is, uh, generally speaking, uh, we as financial advisors, we are, we are fiduciary to our clients. Um, often you will hear... Um, lawyers or real estate agents may say they're fiduciary. Um, there are uh, so the, the the kind of the it's the highest standard of of you know uh, what you what you owe to your client. And, um, and then you have four four ways to become one. Correct? It's a power of attorney, right. as a trustee, government fiduciaries, and uh, court-appointed uh, guardians. Correct? Or uh, and I would add the fifth one, which is just by law, um, which is what we're under under yeah. our regulations. We are required to be fiduciaries, and it means that you're going to act at the the be, in the best interest of that person. Uh, you're going to behave as if you were that person making those decisions. Yeah, and and a big thing with a fiduciary, and you know, we've talked about the fiduciary rule before, which is you know what they're trying to expand to, kind of all financial people, including brokers. Because it would make sense that you would be right, and people, well, people often expect uh, even a broker who doesn't necessarily uh, have their best interests at heart. I mean, you know, not saying they're bad people, but they have other, um, they have conflicts. Uh, one big thing about fiduciaries is reducing the number of conflicts you have. Um, so, you know, in the, in the case of caring for, say, an older parent, uh, one conflict may be that um, you, you know, of course you, you love and care for your parents and want the best for them, but you're also, maybe you have some kind of uh, problems you're hiding in your life and you're looking for that, uh, you're just looking for access to your parents' accounts or something like that. Um, Which brings up the power of attorney because um, just because you have power of attorney doesn't mean you can just raid their accounts. You are under an obligation to protect them and spend for their needs and other family members can come back and say, even though, you know, Ryder, even though you have power of attorney, you have not behaved in the best interest mm-hmm. of our parents. And so I'm going after you. Well, I saw and actually that's uh, funny you say about another um, set of family uh, coming in and stepping in, even though you may have power of attorney. I saw a situation where uh, a caregiver was trying to buy a car um, f- for the um you know, uh, with the assets from the, mm-hmm. the person they were caring for, but it it was, I guess, unable to be a qualified purchase um, because they were mainly going to use it for their personal use. It wasn't like trying to transport uh, the person that they're looking after. Um, so they they put a stop. It was just well, I have a car. I could buy the car with the money. Yeah, but here's the problem, Java, and that that we have run into that. Um, it's very unusual for any institution to stop that. 
Um, so, um, but I, it was like the fam- like a, the family kind of stepped in. Well, it would have to be the family stepping in to do that. Um, now we see a couple of things going on. We see banks not willing to honor a power of attorney because they don't want the liability. Mm-hmm. Just like we've talked about, you know, maybe maybe this person's going to do some questionable things, and the family's going to sue the bank. The banks all will often have their own power of attorney or would prefer that you do sort of things through their trust department. Uh, right. Set up a trust. They have a trustee. You come to the trustee and ask them, you know, this is what I need the money for, this, this, and this. But in other cases, um, if you're dealing with other institutions, you know, they're not going to jump in and make a judgment about whether this person who has power of attorney is behaving in the best interest. They're just going to honor the power of attorney. And go right on. Yeah, because I guess that was my next uh, kind of question as we we're talking about money management for uh, caregivers this morning on Money Talks. And if you want to join the conversation, we do have some open phone lines. You can give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Also, email is open at money at mpbonline.org. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. But um, to protect protection against being exploited. Oftentimes when we talk about um, caregivers and uh, managing money, it's often in the negative light where somebody has been taken advantage of. So how do you protect that person over being exploited or being Boy, taken you know, advantage of. it's difficult. Um, you know, sometimes, and we have seen this. Especially when somebody, I guess, has the, the legal rights, you know, power of attorney mm-hmm. and yeah. such like that. Well, you know, sometimes you see older people, let's say an older parent who has two or three children, and there's one who's really attentive. Mm-hmm. One who shows up and takes care of them and and is willing to be there and uh, do things with them. Drives them to church on drives Sunday. Drives them to church on Sunday. <laughs> does all of that. And um, and so mom, mom lets them mm-hmm. take advantage a little bit. Oh. But that's mom's choice. Yeah. You know? Okay, and then the other thing that happens sometimes. So that I mean, that can be tough to see where is the boundary between mom's just being generous because this is the child that's being so helpful, and mom's being taken advantage. of. But then also when you see or dad, the uh, well, I, don't, I, don't want to, I guess maybe you can't be the caregiver <clears throat> if you run off with the money. You know what I mean? Right. So, how, right. How, but still, how do you protect protect that person from that? Because they it's very difficult. We um, as financial advisors are under regulations to uh, that require us to report if we see some questionable activity within our clients' accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a new thing here in Mississippi. Um, the problem is there's not a lot of teeth in that. You know, we report yeah. it, and then it's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? And um, even if there's an investigation, it's very slow. And by the time it wraps up, um, you know, all the assets could be gone. Um, so it's very difficult. And the, the, the big issue, with even with power of attorney, is when you have somebody who is declining, um, let's say they're, they're having dementia problems, um, at what point do they lose the ability to sign and make decisions? Now, that is it, because we'll talk about that once we come back from the break, because a lot of times you hear about these uh, people who are kind of in, in home care and they are running off with the social 
security yes. check, and yes. but it was signed over by yes. the uh, person that they're caring for. So we'll go uh, continue our conversation after the break. Uh, you can join. You can join in. Also, we do have some open phone lines. One eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're talking about handling another person's finances. Maybe caring for an older parent or uh, someone that you are now the caregiver of. Join our conversation. One eight seven seven MPB ring or send an email money at mpbonline.org. We'll have more Money Talks after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman along with Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and writer Tab, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Also, they are co-authors of the book, Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors, Get Going Young. And today we're talking about managing a loved one's money. If you are a caregiver or someone who's had some experience in this type of situation, give us a call, 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 for. And uh, we have Ron on the line who wants to uh, chime in on the conversation. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. How are you guys? We're doing great. great. Yeah, my, my question is, or my situation is, the other end of the spectrum, um, I have a 17-year-old son about to be 18, mm-hmm. and we are going to look at opening up him and IRA. Um so my question is for um, someone of that age, how much management should I uh, provide for him in terms of saying, hey, you know, you probably need to go with a target date fund. You <laughs> probably need to look at trying to increase it by 1% when you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, just giving him advice uh, um from that perspective and also he's interested in picking stocks and he's done pretty good helping me pick stocks so I don't guess I have to give him too much advice at that Mm -hmm. but he does need some management and I just want to know how much management do you guys think is required for like a person of that age (laughs) oh that sounds like a good one Um, and and that's really awesome that you're getting him introduced to the stock market at that age um, just for kind of our listeners out there if you're thinking about um, thinking about introducing your your children to the to the stock market you're thinking about opening an IRA it's a great idea can reduce you know cut their tax out of course if they're 17 or 18 they might not have a whole lot of income to cut their tax out uh, a Roth IRA is a great idea so long as they have earned income um, if you are are you working with a financial advisor at all right now or do you have anybody like that for yourself? Uh, yes, I do. 
So what I would recommend is you introduce your son to them because, uh, you know, as much as we love our children and our children love us, um, they sometimes don't want to ask you questions or they sometimes just don't think they need your help. Um, uh-huh. I'm, I don't know if you've ever encountered that situation. I have. Uh, oh, you well, have. Man. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, very interesting. Um, so, so but, but introducing them to a third party who can, can kind of, you know, Cover the basics. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've covered some of the basics with them. You know, what is an IRA? Why do you invest in stocks? You know, why do they grow over the long term? Um, but get the advisor can be that third party who he he knows he can just like email a question to. He knows he can just call that person with a question if he has one. Um, playing around like he's doing and, and picking some stocks is is a good idea to start. Um, show him. Uh, you know, really, a really great lesson about stock picking is the first time you lose a ton of money. Um, so that's okay. It's going to happen. And, you know, you'd rather it happen when he's 17 than when he's 67. Um, I would rather lose all of my money at 17 than all of my money at 67. So, you know, just consider that. Um, but, you know, f- kind of look over his shoulder for the first few times and kind of talk about what he's doing. Um, but other than that, have, have a th- having a third party who he can ask questions to and who can provide him a little guidance is, is a really good idea. Okay. Okay. I was I, I was just wondering should I just kind of peep over his shoulder and just let him go at it or you yeah. know just kind of say hey no don't do that. <laughs> well, uh, you yeah. know <laughs> yeah. Once he's got the basics, I think uh, just looking over his shoulder because again the 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 best teacher in the market is going to be the mistakes he makes and uh, and you can be there to help him understand uh, you know one how to how to unwind that mistake was like well do you want to go ahead and sell that stock. Or do you think it's maybe going to bounce back in the future? Uh, and two, what that means to him. You know, it can be it can be pretty shocking to a 17-year-old to all of a sudden lose 100 or $200. But, you know, put that in the context of the grand scheme of things for him, and, and it'll be a little more reassuring. Yeah, and let me just say this. Um, on yesterday, um, well, late late yesterday, he, he texted me about Netflix. So Ooh. He said, well, that... I don't know about Netflix. Down fourteen percent uh, today. Sell, you think we should sell that because they're gonna really go down with it. Uh, just, just be, be calm and be okay. Um, so that's kind of like the indecisiveness <laughs> he has. Yeah. Well, I think the life. biggest thing you you have to teach young people about stock prices is that the price today represents what we think is going to happen in the future. So. Um, the the news about Netflix and the 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 subscribers that didn't right. show up, right. um, that's yesterday's news, and the decline is already taking that into a. a, a account. And so now is not the time to sell Netflix if you're if you own Netflix. Now is the time to kind of look back and ask the question, well are they going to regroup? Is this just, you know, what's happening in the market right now? Is this what's mm-hmm. happening in their industry? Is this particular to this company and will this correct? And so if you think it's going to correct, that's when you buy when it's down 14%. Right, right, right. 
Well, thank you guys so much. I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that, and I, I will definitely get them involved with that third-party uh, uh, advisor mm-hmm. uh, that I have. Thank you. All right. Thank you for joining the conversation, Ron. Um, we do have some other calls coming in, and you can join the conversation also, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. I know we're talking about uh, handling the finances of uh, an older adult or someone that you are uh, have the responsibility of being a caregiver of, but you can also call with your personal finance questions. Uh, before the break, we were talking about, um, I guess, the, the bad side of uh, caregiving given manage money managing um, some uh, be, somebody being taken advantage of and how can we talked about the situation where um, I guess somebody was in the in-home care or maybe even the nursing home and they were signing over their like social security checks or benefit mm-hmm. checks yeah you hear those stories a lot yeah and you know they may, they're not of sound mind or maybe right. not have that uh determination just yet because i know that's important in the eyes of the law um but how, how do you kind of rectify those situations well um again you know um every adult has the right to make their own decisions about their money and um, and then as family members of that adult, um, you you have to be watchful because at some point they may reach that time when they can't make their own decisions. And that may be a telltale sign. Yes. <laughs> and and so, um, again, I think if mom or dad is willing to let you even just, you know, go online and look at their accounts. And if you see that the Social Security did not show up correctly, of course, now most of the time it's direct deposited. Or um, are they writing checks to people that you don't recognize and for amounts that seem a little large? Uh, Watch their credit card statements to see if something strange is showing up there. And you're just looking for something unusual. You know, and and sometimes um, if you have somebody who's older and maybe they're not really that confused, but they want to uh, maybe write a small check to somebody who's helping them Mm -hmm. as a way of going above and beyond to say, I appreciate you. That's one thing. But when it gets to be larger, that's when you really have to have concerns. But that also goes on with our tips where, um, you know, we say I have an open and honest conversation, seek advice Mm -hmm. uh, where you need it. But share in financial duties and decisions. You don't want to say, I'm the caregiver, I'm the money manager now, I will make all the decisions. That can uh, kind of um, alienate the person that you're actually trying to help right, You know, by right. not including them in any decisions. Uh, let's go back to the phone lines. We have Mark in Florence on the line. Good morning, Mark. Hi, I was uh, talking to my wife lately and we were wondering that we should get a financial advisor and I was wondering what kind of fees or uh, how does that how does it work uh, to, to to hire one and where should we uh, look for one? All right. Thanks for that question, Mark. Uh, fees for an advisor? Yeah. So there's a couple ways that advisors can be paid. Um, and so f- the first two two big broad distinctions are who is paying them? <laughs> um, are you paying them, or are they be pay- are are they being paid by um, by another company? Um, for instance, insurance insurance folks are often paid by the insurance company, whoever's insurance contract 
products they're selling, whoever's annuity contracts are selling. So, you know, keep in mind, whoever's paying is calling the shots. Um, folks like uh, folks like uh, stockbrokers, you know, it's your Morgan Stanley's, uh, Merrill Lynch's. Um, they, they have a broad array of different um, different services. But the, the brokers there, uh, they're often getting paid. They might get commissions from the from the bank they work for. They may accept a fee. They may get paid a fee from uh, the client. Um, so they may be serving kind of two folks there. Um, that's not necessarily a bad arrangement. We were talking about the fiduciary arrangement before. That's not necessarily a fiduciary arrangement because they have a conflict of interest there. Um, and what you see often in that case is that they may have an incentive to uh, sell a proprietary product, a bank-owned product, um, or you know there just may be a stock that the bank is trying to unload, and they have an incentive to sell that. It doesn't make it a bad thing, but again, there you are not the sole focus there. And then the the other way to get paid is you are the only. Pay- person paying the advisor. Um, again, you know, we've said before, we as financial advisors, fiduciaries, we're a small independent company. We are paid solely by our clients. Um, so, you know, that helps to eliminate any conflict of interest between us making money and our clients doing well or receiving good advice. Uh, there's nobody, you know, that's what you want is you want a situation where there's nobody else paying your advisors for the advice that they give you. Now, those are the three places they can get their their money from but the ways they can charge uh, they can charge just a, a fee as a percentage of assets. It's very common. That's how we charge. Um, and I've seen a range of figures being fairly common from a little under 1% to uh, 1.5%. At larger banks, sometimes you see accounts called wrap fee accounts. They can be up to 3%. That is very expensive. You have to make a lot of money to cover that fee. Um, again, insurance products, brokered products are often sold with a commission. Uh, insurance products are usually usually a set fee of that total amount that you put in or with an uh, with that that will be an annuity or with an insurance product it might be um, a certain amount of the premium you might pay over a certain amount of time Uh, so those can actually end up being some of the most expensive things that you'll do Uh, annuity commissions can be up to eight percent not necessarily going all to the advisors but i've seen some as high as eight or twelve percent um or you could just pay them a flat fee for a flat, you know, for a basic service. You know, if you want to just sit down with somebody and say, here are my statements. I want you to answer this one question. And it takes them an hour to do it. They can charge you for an hour of their time. Or maybe some, uh, it's becoming more common that advisors will have a set uh, plan fee and they'll have a, a certain amount of things they'll tell you in a financial plan, a plan they'll develop for you, and they just have a price for that. Um, you know, sometimes they're as low as five hundred dollars. I've seen them at twenty five hundred dollars. But importantly, you want to know who is paying your advisor. Um, that's the most important thing. It's more expensive when you're not the one paying them. And I hope that uh, helped you out, Mark. But if you're like me and you want to go back and play that that exp- explanation real slow, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a good. One. Get back to the podcast. Chop, no, yeah. yeah, chop full of uh, advice. You can listen to the podcast on our website, mpbonline.org. We're going to go ahead and take our last break for the hour, but I promise Mary and Fair Hope we're going to get to you. Also, Willie and Brandon, I see you on the board. We're going to take your calls when we come back, and you can join the conversation before the end of the show, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, 672 7464 or send an email to money at mpb 
mpbonline.org. We'll be right back after the break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Money Talks. I'm Java Chapman filling in for Kevin Farrell on this Tuesday morning here with Nancy Lotridge Anderson and the writer Tav, both from New Perspectives and co-authors of the book Piggy Planet, Prudent along Investors. With, along with Susan McAdory. <laughs> oh, okay. Never forget her. Never forget. All right. Yeah. Never forget Susan. <laughs> let's go back to the uh, phones. We have Mary and let's see. Yeah. Mary in Fairhope's been on hold for the longest. Thank you for holding, Mary. And uh, uh, what do you have for us today? I've read about groups in other places that encourage young people to get interested in the stock market, usually on a hypothetical basis. They pick a bunch of stocks and don't really put money in them, but follow them and see how they do. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there's anything like that here, a scout group or classes? or Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Mississippi has a program in the high schools uh, where they have a stock market game. And so um, our students are now required, is it one semester of economics? I think, yeah, I think that they're required credit. to take, and usually within that semester, they participate in the stock market game. Mm-hmm. I would think that would be a real good way to learn. And it is a great way. The organization that uh, promotes a lot of that in Mississippi is the Mississippi Council of Economic Education, and um, there, you know, that's not something that's available in every school. Uh, not they don't necessarily have the the same curriculum, but um, that is something that is getting pushed. Much it's it's a lot bigger uh, now than it was certainly when I was yeah. in high school. And and you cry when you see how much money you could have made. Well, yeah. this is what happens um, because um, I always used uh, Market Watch. You go to marketwatch.com and it is a free stock simulation. It's not perfect, but I used it in my investment classes and um, and they loved it. You know, they loved the competition involved in doing that. Uh, they were trading like crazy sometimes while I'm in the middle of a lecture. Um, but uh, and we Nancy even said something good about Amazon. Uh, bye, bye, bye. Yes. Um, uh, we even use it in our investment club. But what I discovered is using play money, there's a different attitude than when you swap over to mm. it's your own money. And my joke with my students was when they swapped over to real money, when they got money from the school endowment, they all turned into 50-year-old men. <laughs> Suddenly they were very conservative and fearful, and um, it was just a different attitude. Isn't that funny here? They have free money. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, they... Yeah. Careful with it. Yeah, I can I can see how that happens. Um, thanks for calling uh, this Bye. morning, Mary. Uh, let's go ahead and go to Willie and Brandon, who's been on hold. Thanks for holding, Willie. What's your uh, question or comment? Yeah, I heard you talking earlier about power attorney and when there's more than one sibling involved. Mm-hmm. And, and the question is, one sibling has power of attorney over her mother, and the other sibling feel like that. 
she's not taking proper care that she spends so much money on her own personal bills and stuff and not enough going to her mother's care and by one sister having the power of attorney, she feel like she's frozen out and not being able to mm-hmm. see what the money being spent for. And I was trying to see maybe what could she do to see. Oh, this is very common. Uh, that's that's tough. And yeah, common. It's a common situation um, when you have one sibling who does not have the power of attorney. Um, the person who does have power of attorney, the best thing they can do is to, again, communicate with other sisters and brothers, give them information to let them see that you are being wise and spending it appropriately. You still are going to have some disagreements. The only recourse, if you think something questionable is going on, is to go to court. And the problem with that, and we've been caught in some of the middle of these arguments, is the only winners in that are the lawyers you know and and you know one thing if you are the you know for the sibling who does feel that you're being shut out you know um depending on how how well together your your parent is you know talk to them about the situation and say you know you know if 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 you can find evidence that there's some large or pervasive <clears throat> excuse me uh trouble going on you know you might could well, have that power of attorney revoked um, I had a stroke and oh. not able to mm. really know what's going on. Yep. Well, what can happen uh, in that case, uh, we have one of these where the siblings were fighting over this, mm-hmm. and there was a disagreement. Um, attorneys did get involved, and finally, the party that had the power of attorney did agree to um, a court-appointed guardian. And mm-hmm. so that is a, an objective third party who is then taking care of the finances. Now, of course, that, mm-hmm. that costs to do that. And and I would say for the, so, you know, we've covered the other two parties. For the parent, if the parent wants to prevent that sort of thing in advance, of course, if you, you get a stroke, you know, it's kind of tough. But um, if a parent wants to prevent that sort of thing, again, like we said at the open of the show, being clear and open in your communication with your children and also having a third party, having either an attorney who can say, look, if there's any conflicts, y'all take it to this lawyer or this is my financial advisor. They know exactly what I want. And I and and, and they're the ones who are going to kind of have that. And sometimes we see um, the parent will um, do co-powers of attorney. They will uh, Mm -hmm. give that to each of their children. And you know what? That can be a bigger mess. Because don't they maybe have to all kind of agree? They all have to agree. They all have to sign off. You know, if they're in different parts of the country, yeah. it complicates matters like mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Well, Willie, hopefully uh, we helped you out with that. And uh, good luck on your situation. Ernie from Brandon, we ran out of time. So if you could send us an email, money at mpbonline.org. And just to recap, want to give these tips. If you are a caregiver and uh, have to manage a loved ones or someone you're looking after money, open those lines of communication, um, get the advice where you need it and uh, share in the financial 
duties and decisions. Just because you're the caregiver, the money manager doesn't mean you have to be an authoritarian and uh, take over. But that's going to wrap up our show. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio and funded in part by generous financial support from our listeners. Today's show and previous shows are on our website, mpbonline.org slash money talks. You can also download the MPB public media app. Today's show was produced by Liz Gill and for Nancy Lottridge Anderson and writer Taft of Java Chapman. Up next is our Tuesday 10 a.m. show in legal terms and today's topic is alcohol law. So tune in. Also join us next Tuesday at 9 for more Money Talks heard only on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.